0: This is Defenders TV podcast episode 114 where we're talking about Defenders season 1 episode 2. You think I'm holding back. Welcome back fellow defenders. This is Defenders TV podcast and this is episode 114. But more importantly, this is where we are reviewing The Defenders Season 1, Episode 2. I'm one of your hosts, Chris.
1: I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. Hi, and I'm your final host, John, uh, fresh from a Jessica-Jones-style drinking session.
0: (laughs) Yes, one of our Defenders (laughs) is slowly turning into Jessica in alcoholic consumption only.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, no, okay. no cases for you, John. Absolutely. <laughs> if if I fall asleep, it's not because of the episode, which was excellent. It <laughs> is more because uh, I didn't get that much sleep.
2: That's all right. That's all right. I love I love when we do it. Uh, we do it no sleep style. There's a lot of our listeners who will have. Uh, sat up, watched all eight episodes of uh, of The Defenders back-to-back, and then they're coming to us directly afterwards. So uh, they also may be asleep and not to do with the quality of our podcasts.
0: Well, we hope. We hope. We hope. We, we hope. Hope. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but welcome, fellow Defenders. Yeah, it's great to have you have you here with us for the second episode of Defenders. Really cool.
0: Yes, um, and you do have 113 other episodes <laughs> to go back on if you are freshly joining us. Uh, if you are not joining us for the first time... Um, You're one of our fellow members, you know how we do this, so you can skip ahead 10 seconds. But for our newcomers, welcome. We are watching in advance at the moment, thank you to Netflix for providing us some some screeners. Basically how we review the uh, shows is we watch one episode, we record a podcast, where we take a combined top five points and basically then go through some notes, discuss the points and discuss the notes, and finally coming down to what we and do we defend the episode Mm -hmm. yes or no so guys i I don't want to jump around too much but uh if they wanted to find and communicate with their fellow defenders and ourselves where can they find us
1: yes you can head on over to defenderstvpodcast.com and leave us a voicemail just click on the tab on the right hand side of your computer screen And, of course, you can uh, contact us by email at feedback at com. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can send anything you want with regards to the episodes of The Defenders or any of the individual Defenders as well. Just send on over your comments, thoughts, questions, uh, and let us know.
0: Now, one bit on that. Because we don't watch ahead and we record as we watch, if you are sending any emails or voicemails in, Please mark what the which episodes you're giving feedback on, because we don't want to just suddenly have the end of the series ruined for us. Not that you would do that, but just in case. That's never happened. No, never. <laughs> you can also join us on over on Facebook at Defenders TV Podcast, or more importantly, come join the community, our group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV Podcast, where we nerdily discuss in uh, the most <laughs> fl- most flamboyant and harmonious way what we liked about the episodes. We put up spoiler posts so you can watch along at your own pace. Um, and that's where we'll uh, have those mo- meaty discussions on what exactly did Jessica mean when she punched Luke in the face? Because <laughs> um, we know it's going to happen. It's coming, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yes. and there was another punch in the face this episode there as was. well. Mm. There
2: was. One final thing, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can subscribe over on Apple Podcasts by going to defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, you can get all of our episodes there. The way we're covering them, as Chris said, is, is watching an episode and recording a podcast, uh, but we do put them out at different days. So each episode from now on is going to be released on Monday, and then another episode on Friday of the following week. Each week it'll be done that way until we finish The Defenders.
0: Yes, and this is your you're quite lucky you were getting two episodes in one day. Mm with this cuz we are releasing this episode on the 18th of August. So hopefully you have just binge watched two episodes and are now listening to our dulcet tones. Yes. But should we kind of crack on with it lads because I think we want we have a lot to discuss. We do. We really do. Mm-hmm. So, uh Derek, do you want to tell us who wrote and directed this episode? Sure.
2: This episode was written by Lauren Smith Hisrich and Marco Ramirez, another good team up uh, from former episode writers. Um, Lauren Smith Hisrich uh, was a writer on Daredevil episodes Kimbaku, Seven Minutes in Heaven, and the dark, end, the dark at the End of the Tunnel. So uh, she comes with lots of Daredevil knowledge. Marco Ramirez is obviously the showrunner and wrote episode uh, one and lauren smith Hisrich will continue on for episode three she'll write that episode as well so it seems like they're also going for a bit of a team-up vibe um for the writers in the in the office as well so that's quite cool
1: it's the writing defenders
2: yes definitely and they're doing pretty good so far uh this episode was directed by sj clarkson again she directed uh, episode one of the series uh, obviously as you've probably just heard on our previous podcast john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode
1: Sure. After the Hell's Kitchen earthquake, Matt Murdock finds it hard to control his inner devil. But after meeting up with Foggy for a few drinks at Josie's bar, he takes some of Nelson's casework to focus his mind elsewhere. Luke begins to hit the new bar in Harlem, Trouble in Paradise, to get a lead on the mystery surrounding the increasing body count of young men and uncovers a new player in Harlem known as the White Hat. He tracks one of the White Hat's fans as it goes off to dispose of dead bodies of allies of Conlon following an attack by the Hand. There, he meets Danny Rand, who, believing Luke is somehow connected to the bodies inside the Katana Workshop, unleashes the Iron Fist on Luke, testing his unbreakable skin. Jessica, meanwhile, calls in the explosive find to the NYPD and the Feds, before snatching evidence collected at the scene. As she investigates a number of shell companies in New York, she is warned off pursuing the case by Hogarth before an encounter with a fearful John Raymond in her apartment leads to Raymond killing himself as Electra comes to silence him. As Jessica chases after Electra, Misty Knight catches up with her for her previous indiscretion and arrests her. At the police precinct, her interrogation is interrupted as her new and unexpected attorney, Matt Murdock, arrives to defend her.
2: Well done, John.
0: <laughs> With a hangover, gen- ladies and gentlemen, fellow defenders, that is an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
1: yes. Although this this synopsis probably has just been edited down to make it appear as though all all was well. That's my job. Yeah. That probably took <laughs> yes. about thirty minutes to actually <laughs> say.
0: <laughs> there was some of us having a snooze, but more importantly, people. What a cliffhanger.
2: Mm-hmm. What a moment. Like
0: just, I'm Matt Murdock, your defender.
2: Awesome. awesome. Cool. I'm very sure cool. a lot of our listeners know this. This is the same line that Matt Murdock uh, uses when he meets Jessica Jones in the comic books. That's his first, first time he meets Jessica Jones. He walks in uh, after she's being interrogated by a police officer in New York PD and, uh, and says to her, I'm Matt Murdock, your lawyer. So, yeah,
1: very cool yeah. to be to have a direct... Uh, yeah, from Alias, also, yes. Yeah. Wow, yeah. very good. Love that.
0: So, gentlemen, I think this is time that we get into the nerdy news that all these people need to know about. Well, when I say nerdy news, I mean top five points. <laughs> so, this starts start with point one, which is... Matt is taking up the vigilante stick again?
1: Yes. His senses were going and tingling quite a lot. yes spidey like if you will, um, as he was atop that roof. It's very cool. It's very unusual that you get
2: to see a superhero like this dressed in a in a suit from work, standing on top of a building, going to jump into action. Uh, we haven't seen it much in any of the any of the Daredevil sh- shows where Matt springs into action wearing his. Office uniform, effectively, uh, not wearing the Daredevil suit at all, not wearing anything to protect himself. So I think what's what's cool about this is the fight that he gets into is he's, he's going through the fight, doing some awesome moves, but also protecting his face. He's blocking, putting a hand in front of his face. He's putting things up so that uh, people can't see that it's Matt because he's... He looks exactly like he does in the street clothes, effectively. So, thought that was but they were
0: his t- street clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I, the one bit I did love is the parkour across the rooftops yeah, in the suit. Yes. Yes. That was very cool. It was just like one part was just running, and then he did this little leap, which I was like, "Ooh, that's going to hurt the knees." And then suddenly, you're like, "Oh, that was your stunt double because you just suddenly sprang up as if like <coughs> from nowhere." I was like, "That's a that's a strange edit." The idea of um,
1: doing parkour in a suit as well. Oh my. God, like mine would just be ripped to shreds if I tried that, (laughs) along with my body, but I'd probably trip and fall off the top of the building (laughs) to my ultimate death.
0: I was just more surprised he didn't use the tie as a weapon Mm. in this. I was like, oh, that would be perfect. Who needs nunchucks when you have a silk kind of red tie it'd be perfect yeah. you know it just goes with everything and a deadly weapon at the same time
1: <laughs> chucking his cufflinks at them like kind of ninja <laughs> stars or something that's yeah. very cool. that's very cool okay, quick question though was he actually helping the bad guys <laughs> yeah because weren't the kids yes. stealing from yeah yeah it was, yep, like it was gradients of TV bad guys. Yes. Yeah, it was
2: kind of like uh, Matt doesn't like guns. He doesn't like people shooting other people. That's kind of what it felt like. So he was just stopping the two guys with shotguns from killing kids who were stealing their stuff. And I believe they actually got away with some of it. They did, yeah. They carried
0: a big TV box. Yeah. That's why I was like, <laughs> that's a couple of grand. I, I
2: know, I know. No,
0: no, I wasn't too happy with I loved, I have to admit, I, I, I loved seeing uh, Charlie Cox back in action. He's a lot more limber than previous yeah. kind of the previous seasons
1: it might be the suit as in the oh. daredevil suit probably makes him um, maybe restricts his movement a bit more mm. a bit stiffer because normally it would be kind of almost like a tight lycra You know, like from the comics. Like, with the armor, it would be a bit more
0: restrictive. I just have this vision of the Simpsons quote where Ned Flanders is wearing the ski seat going. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Uh, That's all I'm going to see now. Um,
1: Well, it it, it would certainly be uh, the powers of distraction for uh, attacking (laughs) his enemies.
0: (laughs) No, it just seems he's he's less physical, brutish... Mm Uh, the, the, the boxer he yeah. was doing a bit more of the flips and the, the twirls and the kind of the flamboyant to twi- it which I think is what always Daredevil was to me in the comic books Right. Yeah. he's a bit more acrobatic yes. he, that was the thing like, because of his enhanced senses he had this amazing sense of equilibrium mm-hmm. so he could do the swings he was able to kind of Keep up with Spidey as he swung across Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Because he's able to run across power lines and things like that. Um, so this feels for me very daredevil y.
1: I have this feeling of him getting a massive electric shot <laughs> as he as he hits a power line.
0: No, he's like he's like a, like a birds, you
1: know. Like <laughs> yeah, they yeah. they just they, they barely
0: touch it enough, yeah. and it's light touch, light touch.
2: I definitely get what you mean, Chris. There's there's definitely a lot more a lot more flipping and movement within Daredevil. I wonder will we see a bit of a change in him when he does don the costume uh, in future? Yeah,
0: I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping so. I'm hoping because yeah. this it seems like a natural ev- evolution of. He was had a bit more of the anger in him over the last two seasons, and he's. I'm hoping that this is kind of a cathartic kind of awakening for Daredevil right. that he can use his powers a bit more, etc. Yeah, yeah.
2: But speaking of which, he was very close to putting the suit back on when he got back home after this, after yes. this fight in the alley. He was standing over the um, yes. over the box that keeps his suit until we hear that familiar call that we've heard for the last two seasons of Daredevil. Foggy. Foggy. It's so cute. Foggy. It really is. It always it always makes me smile when you hear that little noise. Foggy. Um, very cute.
1: Yeah, I've, I had forgotten that it was the mobile phone, and I thought he would put an alarm on the box to warn him <laughs> off. I didn't think it was saying Foggy. I thought it was saying something else.
0: <laughs> but the, the, the strange thing is, he'd left the alleyway at night time by the way and it was daytime by the time we got back
1: mm. yeah
0: so either he he took a very long route meandering route home or he did some other vigilanteism
2: i think he uh, did a lot more Remember, his house or his apartment is effectively under a huge spotlight that only he can survive. So maybe it just looked like daytime when he arrived back at yeah, the apartment. Yeah,
0: because it would have been <laughs> so then.
2: much lights. Yeah. No, you're right. It, that that is that is correct. Uh, but it is absolutely possible that he did, that he went out and did a bit more vigilantism, hopefully protecting some innocence from some from being beaten up after the earthquake.
0: Yeah, because yeah, he chose out of all the innocence, he chose to save the robbers.
2: Mm. Did one of the robbers see him or one of the guys with the shotguns? Did they see Matt Murdoch's face? Well, the
0: shotguns did. I yes. think one of them did. Yeah. Um,
2: which is quite interesting. So that
0: will come back, I'd say, to bite him in the ass. I think so. For, I think preferably. So. Let's go back to Foggy. Mm-hmm. This was great for me. The, this is meet-up in Josie's. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm happy they went back. You had the joke from Josie's that we, have, we don't get your kind down here anymore. Mm-hmm so foggy is doing well in hogarth chow and benowitz uh-huh. like we were seeing this now that this is like he yes he feels that yes he can't help the little people like he used to but he's still able to and help out his best mate by giving these kind of more pro bono smaller cases yeah. to Matt.
2: i like that i like the idea that that he would pass on these cases to to matt and matt would make some money out of them and he'd also keep himself busy you know this this idea that he's got an addiction to being daredevil now and that's what foggy's saying um and the only way to wean himself off that addiction is to force himself into the other addiction that he has which is his law work Uh, i thought that was a nice little touch from foggy
1: yeah it was good to see them um back together certainly because you would gotten um Matt and Karen in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw Foggy briefly uh, getting Luke Cage out of Seagate. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. It was nice to be back in uh, Josie's bar, to be honest. Absolutely. Which is, I think is where I was last night.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> well, we're not quite sure where you were last night. But anyway, um, I I'm, the comment about Karen, what do you guys think? This is that that he's still nervous that Matt has revealed he is daredevil to karen who is now a
1: journalist Mm. well
0: prominent journalist um she has her own office yeah not in the bullpen like everyone else what do you guys think
2: yeah i i think this is quite interesting it's quite a a, an odd discussion i suppose i wasn't really expecting foggy to um be really nervous about karen revealing the secrets of daredevil to to the world um they're all friends. They all know. They all know the secret now, effectively. But it seems like they don't talk about it amongst themselves much. Um, hmm. That's what it feels like. So this is why Foggy's going. It's, he's saying that uh, that if she does reveal the secret, then they'll both be disbarred, which is quite interesting. So he's very fearful of losing his career um, yeah. if this gets revealed because of his connection to the vigilante. Effectively, uh, I thought that was quite, yeah, it was quite, quite an interesting touch, and again, another nice storyline for for Daredevil to yes. lead off with.
0: I can't agree more. I can't. Okay, well, look, let's kind of wrap up, Matt. Like we we know that he does end with obviously going to see. Um, he does end going to see Jessica, and that's kind of how the story ends. But obviously, the the way he started was in this wake of this earthquake. Mm. So, kind of, I think the second point from kind of my side is that we get the Trish talk call. Yes, um, and this was kind of really interesting. Like that, this wasn't an earthquake. Um, this earthquakes are usually quite four point something and they're miles below the earth. And we get this famous line. It was only 300 feet deep. As the phone call is hung up on. And um, yes,
2: a couple of really cool things about this scene. Firstly, I love having uh, having Patsy Walker, uh, Trish Walker in in the show. I think it's a, such a great tool yeah. he used her this way in Luke Cage as well, uh, where she's the kind of talking point with the public. Uh, you hear her on the radio, everybody talks to her. It's a great mechanism to use in the show to kind of speak to the wider world when you're not focused on the main characters. It's a cool idea. Um, but this idea here that she's got a, a phone call from um, from a scientist who's saying to her, straight off, this is not an earthquake, something else is happening here. Um, and then it gets cut off because upstairs called down to say they've got to stop talking about this earthquake stuff. Clearly the hand have gotten involved in the radio station and yes. gotten there to, to stop this talk.
1: The epicentre in Hell's Kitchen and 4.6 uh, magnitude on the Richter scale. Mm-hmm. 300 foot deep, whereas a shallow earthquake would be 50 kilometres That's right. Down. yeah. This wasn't shallow. Yeah,
2: it was really good seeing that, I think. And what does this mean, gentlemen? It means our hole is back
0: yes. in yes. Hell's Kitchen. Yes, 100%. Right. Yeah.
1: And we also know... What is down there? Down in that hole? To some extent, we haven't seen it, obviously, but Mm -hmm. we do have um, Madame Gao coming in to talk to Alexandra to say that there is a gate or door of some kind uh, with inscriptions of Kunlun on it um, and that she's tried everything to try and open it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we get a really nice little discussion between the two ladies, I think, where... Alexandra goes, that's the difference between um, me and you. You will quickly rethink something, whereas I'm a little bit more stubborn. Yes. Um, But, yeah, they they kind of come to this this point where um, it's not blocking, but uh, Alexandra says it's more of a door um, and obviously you need a key and I like the fact that she's a bit scathing of the, the, the masters of Conlon here where, you know they were so dogmatic so focused on one thing that it makes them predictable yes. effectively so I can only presume that uh, that key is the iron fist it has to be doesn't it it has to be the iron
2: fist so now they have to encourage him to go down underground and smash through this
1: wall um, yes
0: and they will, and I, I i could always i could already see it, um, kind of the Danny breaks open the seal by uh, thinking that that he was helping everyone by doing it, and unwittingly releases some c- catastrophe on the the planet or on the kind of Hell's Kitchen, if you will. I yeah, I could see that kind of a straight away, just as soon as they started saying it needs a key. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay, I can, I can kind of telegraph this. Yep. I hope they go down a different route, but
2: oh, I don't, I don't, mind if they go down that route. I think the more, the more interesting thing is what's behind the wall and why is Kunlun blocking that off from the world, and what have they found in other countries where these types of places have been? Which is what they've said: this isn't the first time this has happened. This is just the most important one in New York. So, uh, so what's been behind them in the past, and what's what's going to be behind this one? Yes, what
1: are they looking for? Mm. Yes,
2: that's right.
0: Really cool. Immortal weapons, possibly, mm, yes, maybe,
1: possibly. or more dragons, or maybe to some of the other cities of heaven. heavenly cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah well, anyway, either way, Trish is suspicious now. I love the because fact that. Of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also love the fact that Trish's car was in a pothole, so she thinks it's getting towed again. Um, it's kind of it's almost like a repeat of the. Episode one uh, scene, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's down in a massive pothole that's been created by the earthquake. Yes, Poor Trish. (laughs) Trish. (laughs) She doesn't seem to take very good care of her car, really, does she?
0: No, no, not at all. And also, if you were if you were spending money in that type of apartment, Mm -hmm. you'd assume they would have underground parking.
2: I think it's just it sounds like it's beside work. She drives to work Uh, in New York, which is very unusual. (laughs) New York's a very busy city, Uh, so. Yes, on street parking. Not very cool in New York. Yeah, but I think we can go on to our next point. I think uh, Jessica Jones meeting Misty Knight is quite cool. There's a there's a, a nice moment here. I love how the two of them are brought together. This is after um, Jessica found that big huge stash of explosives in yeah. episode one. Um, she calls it in and stays there and waits. Um, I love her conversation with the FBI guy who's who is trying to get more and more information out of Jessica. Jessica's not very good in these types of interviews, is she? Um, no, no, not at all. So Misty's first line to her is, you've got a mouth uh, straight off the bat to, to Jessica. So uh, so first interaction between two two major characters is always cool. And that's what this show is about, uh, getting these moments between characters who've never worked together before. So, um, so pretty cool. Um, Jessica then goes on to her investigation. She does... Even though she's reported it all in, she steals the delivery docket with the company name on it, um, so that she can investigate what's going on, investigate all the company records and find out where they are. Um this is quite cool. So this is the all of the shell organizations that are covering up um going back to the eighteen hundreds apparently. So hundreds of
1: companies all the way back. Yeah, this this was a, a nice little uh touch really. I love just sort of the increasing frustration of Jessica. She's like What the hell? And then finally having to uh, ask the the librarian who then says, you need to go to the historical archive. And she's, it's just the kind of, it's just the great expressions that Kristen Ritter does of just like, oh. God what i this is like such an effort, and <laughs> um, it's just really, really cool. I just love her uh, reaction, but of course she bumps into an unexpected person down there as well yes, yeah she does. in in the form of Hogarth comes to warn her off, and I'm there going, so is Hogarth somehow get, will their firm at least at the moment be? sort of involved with these legal things or was it just to warn her um, off from the the fed investigation with the explosive it, it did seem to be that but I was wondering um, you know she was obviously tailing her um, I but I just wondered whether there was maybe a double edged warning there um, yeah I, like
2: it does feel like this whole show is going to explore how deep the hand goes in New York I suppose and um, it feels like Jaron Hogarth and her company have some involvement with the hand, like every company does. It don't, I'm not saying they're parts of the hand or anything like that, but I think they have a bit of control over them. Uh, Alexandra Stigoni-Weaver's character seems to have her fingers in many pies. I love this hand metaphor, it's great. Um <laughs> but it seems like they—they're the ones that are pushing. So if, if Hogart's telling Jessica to steer clear of something, knowing that Jessica will never steer clear of it, um, if she's telling her to, it feels like she's getting that pressure from somebody else outside of it. Which to me feels like Alexandra.
0: Or is it a bit like reverse psychology? Does Jerry? Does Jerry know by say telling Jessica, "No, you do not look in this." It's like dealing with a two-year-old, you are not going to have that cookie mm-hmm. as the child's hand and the cookie move towards its mouth. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't, and it slowly like telling Jessica not to look into this yes. is going to force her to.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: It will put push her as like you are igniting the engine mm-hmm. and I really think that's what that, personally I think that's what that was. Like, Maybe. Jerry knows she cannot keep her away from danger so it's like okay, we need you to go investigate this, finish this out, but also remember, like, we need to look after you, so then she obviously speaks and grabs Foggy.
2: Right, so that's why you think that she set uh, Foggy following uh, Jessica, is but, because yeah, it's to protect yes. her the whole time rather than...
1: Yeah, well, there there is that kind of protective sort of aspect of Hogarth, even though she does it in a ice-cold way, uh-huh. but and um, that really yeah she she sets foggy uh, uh, on tracking and just keeping tabs on Jessica Jones and you know obviously she says at the first sign of trouble get in there and you know put someone in there um and keep our name away from it yes, yes. Uh, which is then interesting w- um because he has given Matt the pro bono work before he's had that conversation with um with Hogarth so because at one stage I was thinking, as Foggy kind of asked Matt to go in to keep, you know, effectively used him to some extent to keep um, Hogarth, uh, Chow, and Benowitz company name from that interrogation. Right. Um, but ultimately, he had given the case files before he had that conversation. So it's just probably more that it's it's a it's a good happenstance, really. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was very much most likely a phone call, a prior or post, I should say, yeah. the arrest.
2: So that is, it's like, it's, hey,
0: I've got someone in here. Can you yeah. go take a look? So, gents, sorry to cut in, but let's go back to this eighteen hundred bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I found this really interesting. Yeah, I did. In that now, this is showing that okay, we knew the hand was an old organization, but that they've been involved in world affairs and corporate affairs. And Shell Company since the 1800s, since the founding of New York predominantly. Yes. Like they were there. They've been like going back to the ancient records.
2: Funny that you should mention that, Chris, because we did talk about it in episode one um, when Alexandra was talking about the founding of New York and how much they paid for it. And I was making the comment of, of how old possibly do we think Alexandra is? Is she. An ancient. Is she someone that has gone through these procedures to come back to life? That kind of stuff. Uh in this episode we get a little bit more, it was it was the next point really about Alexandra. There's some more indications here. She talks to uh she says about Brahms she's when she's listening to the uh classical music and she makes a very um a very specific
1: comment about the type of person that he was. Yeah, uh, he was petty yeah. like that. Um it was a direct response to Beethoven. Yes. Um to show that he could do what Beethoven did uh, with regards to the the music in C minor. Yes. Um, and it's like the, the, the lady who's maybe the head of the Philharmonic there is, I love your knowledge of music history. But yeah, I think we're getting uh, a sense now, uh, like we discussed uh, on last the last episode of the podcast, that Alexandra is a lot older than um, her age uh, appears. So it's interesting that um, maybe she's gone through possibly that process um, that Electra and Nobu Mm -hmm. uh, and um, Harold Meacham Meacham, uh, and Bakuto have done in order to effectively come back uh, because of all this sort of long uh historical knowledge which kind of the way she says it as being in the as being there and and in the first person yeah yeah. it
2: really does feel like this is a conversation she had with brams that's or or a conversation that brams had with her it doesn't feel like this is something that's written in a history book that she learned it's just the way it's delivered
1: but But i i agree chris i really enjoyed um jessica going through those files i just i actually wish they had taken her to the historical uh, archive as well, just to find out, you know, how far does it go back? Was Mm -hmm. it with, you know, maybe some of the first settlers, um, you know, on the Mayflower or, you know, in terms of America or how far does it spread? Yeah, it was really interesting. Loved Loved that.
0: Yeah, no, it it was fantastic. And just kind of moving on to Alexandria, like, yeah, I completely agree with you guys. Although I do not think... She is a reanimated, revived member of the hand. I think she's more Madame Gao kind of mm-hmm. level where she is mystical, has power of Chi or X of Y. We know Madame Gao is at least three hundred years old. Yes. 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 Potentially more. Yeah. Um so I'm if to be Madame Gao's senior, uh-huh. She predominantly probably has to be older.
2: You'd feel, uh, so. you'd feel so. You'd feel so. You feel like feel she's so. the one that brought Madame Gao into the organization. Yes. That's what it
0: feels yes. like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of going, okay, she maybe is a I think we have found the main finger of the hand, if you will. Um yes.
1: The middle finger.
0: The middle finger yes. raising it in the air right at our defenders. I think yes. so. She is badass in the, like it's to Corney Weaver for me, I, I've always had a bit of a Kind of uh, a love affair with oh, yeah. G- Ronnie Weaver, just from Ripley, her character Ripley in Alien, mm-hmm. Aliens. I, I, yeah, I've always had this kind of love affair with her and the character. She is the strong woman character. Like this is the, um, the the, the, the and I, I again, this is me kind of. I don't want to come across, and I apologize if I offend in how I say this. But she is the what I consider the quintessential strong, empowered uh, female character that a lot of the shows in today's society don't have. Right. And I, I don't, I, I try not to come across it in a bad way. It's just like typically, like aside from Jessica and Patsy in this show. Oh well, actually, no. This actually. Thinking about this now, I'm kind of going. I know the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a lot of strong female leads. The, um, cer- certainly, the or supporting characters.
2: Yeah, card. yeah de- certainly the Netflix shows, and yeah, this. She almost feels like if Jerry Hogarth got the power that she so desperately craves and became <laughs> the leader of an evil organization, she would. She would aspire to be. Alexandra. Yes, that's kind exactly. of that's kind of the path she wishes she could get to. If she could just get rid of that niggling sense of guilt and uh, and doubt after she does things wrong, she could become Alexandra. You know,
0: and Sigourney Weaver's sixty late fifties.
2: I don't know her age. Um, she could be a thousand years old. She's still gorgeous and amazing.
1: Yeah, she's she's yeah. cool, and yeah, it's the it's the presence on the screen that she has. Um, I mean, it, it's just. Uh, captivating really it really draws you in again I just loved her meeting with with Madame Gower. she's helping us to learn about Madame Gao, you know Uh yeah. in, in that sense yeah. Yeah. Who, who's been in the episodes and at the same time revealing how she operates I, I really like that I love the fact she's always seems to be comparing herself uh, with with Madam Gao in these first two meetings and in, in the first two episodes, and um, so it's been really cool. Uh, one of the things I also love
2: is just this scene of her sitting watching a chamber orchestra play for her on her own in uh, in her own office. There's something very special about this. There's something very um, Wilson Fisk about this. Just that that moment of her sitting, allowing the music to wash over her, getting a private performance from the. It's the I think it's the New York Philharmonic. I think it is. Yeah. Um, where they're referencing the fact that that she's been. Uh, putting so much money through them that they were they'd love to host host a gala in her name uh, because of how much money that uh, she's fed through. So um, I do think that's quite cool as a character. I, I love the fact that she likes the good things in life, you know, uh,
0: and the finer things in life. Like mm-hmm. she just donated enough to fix the whole concert hall mm-hmm. after this earthquake. She do- So we're talking six figures here, yeah. minimum. Yeah, Potentially a seven figure in a day. You just went. Ah, oh, there you go.
1: It'll be tax deductible on the, uh, the balance sheet. <laughs> well,
0: because we know the hand are all about that accounting. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, we do know they have an accountant. Yes, exactly.
2: They do. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, they do, maybe they're digging the hole underneath the concert hall and they're just, you know, just protecting the hole.
1: it yeah. Could be. And, of course, uh, the other great thing with Sigourney Weaver's character and Alexandra um, is we see her with um, Stick, uh, who has been a f- seems as though he was probably um taken hostage from that uh swordsmith's workshop where mm-hmm. all the uh, dead bodies were being uh, dissolved in acid be- uh, beforehand but um again there's a nice little interplay here where Alexandra kind of says um try not to bite old f- uh, friend, but we have Chris, your theory was correct. I think actually, Chris, you've already got two theories near enough, uh, correct. Um, one that the cast, that, 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 the guy in the sewer was the cast. Um, yep. because now we have this, this workshop that seems to be full of, um, cast mm-hmm. followers Members. as well. Yep. And yeah. they've got the, the picture of Conlon uh, in, in at the back of the workshop. Yeah. Uh, but the other one as well. To some extent it's half true that Hogarth has brought together Jessica and Matt through Foggy together. So at least one half of the defenders have matched up, as you said, because of through Hogarth rather than Claire Temple. That's right. Like we yes. Thought. yes, that was your theory. Yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. I'm telling you guys, I should be a writer at some point <laughs> in one of these shows. Alright.
2: But it is great to see Stick back. I must say Stick is uh, the mentor of Electra and, uh, and Daredevil. If you haven't watched Daredevil, the series, and then and jumped into Defenders for the first time, it's great to see him back. It's great to see him in the show. And I'm hoping he doesn't die because I love, I love the character. I love his evil wit. Uh,
0: yes. <laughs> I, I have a question, though. The old friend. Mm-hmm. Is that the old friend we've been battling for years against each other? Or is that the old friend, I used to be part of the cast, but then I went to the dark side?
2: And I think that question will have to wait till next week. <laughs> yeah. Don't no.
0: you start doing Netflix-style Netflix <laughs> uh, cliffhangers?
1: Absolutely. I was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, were they previously lovers in another age or, you know... So Was she there. a member of the cast? Um, yeah. Or, you know, what's this relationship between yeah. the two of them? But please don't bite.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I I'm, 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 I can't wait to. And as Derek says, let's hold off on that because most likely we will be introduced to it quite early in, uh, in next episode. episode three. Yeah. But let's, let's kind of bring it back to our final point, which is the, the biggie here. The one and only Danny and Luke, heroes for hire, team up introduction well whatever we want to call it it's
1: not really a team-up more of a face-off at this stage oh, i yes. but it's awesome completely yes. completely agree and um, this was so so good i am um, massive smile watching this uh all the all the way through I absolutely love the moment where Luke is just standing there whilst Danny is kind of doing slow-mo karate <laughs> kicks and punches to the chest yeah. and, and to the legs and all this kind of thing. And Luke Cage is just like looking at him and like there's all this determination on Danny's face and he's not making any inroads whatsoever. I mean, he just gets gross. flung down the the alleyway or something. I just... I just giggled yeah. all the way through that. I thought it was really good. That was really good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I love. I yeah. love that moment.
2: It's like it's like Luke wants to bat away a fly, and that's probably why when the punch lands from Danny, why he's so shocked by that punch and flies himself across the other end of the
0: alleyway.
1: And that's some power,
0: similar to what um, John was saying. In that, it wasn't even just the Iron Fist moment and kind of impact. The actual overall face off was brilliant mm-hmm. but Mike Coulter he didn't flinch an inch so i'm trying to figure out how they they recorded this um as a whole because it was slowed down but like Mike Coulter took the punches without flinching yeah. so i'm trying to say was this just like they they filmed it in normal speed but like with the guys moving super slowly Right, and then just sped it up a tiny bit, maybe, so that it looks like it was almost in a snowmobile. so that's how you could almost punch a stone wall and not have it move
2: right right
0: kind of style um I was just, it was just it was an interesting kind of choreography cinematography question I was like how how did they do that yes. one?"
2: I love, when, I love when TV shows do that. It's always cool. When, they, when you yeah. see something, you would go, how is that possible? They didn't CGI his face to move, did they? That can't yeah. be possible. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> it's, the CGI it's cool. for the face did move. That was how they did that.
2: Well, okay, they did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I meant for the other parts.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But, okay, guys, so let's, hold on. Let's kind of, this was a great moment, but let's discuss how the two quintessential men arrived at this intersection. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, cause because it, it's certainly separate. It's coming from their own separate ways, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unlike uh, a bit of jiggery-pokery but, uh, from Hogarth and uh, and Foggy Yeah. for the other two. Yeah, it's quite cool here. So this is uh,
2: this is obviously on Luke's side of the house, the kind of case, I suppose, that Misty turned him on to about the kids in Harlem getting killed. He's following up on that case and bumps into one mr turk barrett yeah uh, great, that was a great scene as well yeah great to see rob morgan back um on the show he's uh he's pretty much been on all of the series another one of the players that's uh that's crossed over most of the shows um really cool to see him here love the fact that luke takes him in back and holds him up against the wall yeah. uh, and starts starts punching things around him
1: uh, great little to scene him. i th- i love the smart alec uh mouth of Turk here uh, to Luke, um, and I just thought it was a really cool little scene. It says, what part of this shit looks like it's up to me? Yeah. Like, just really, <laughs> really nice, nice line.
0: I want to be Turk in this episode, because, like, Luke Cage smashing a keg, smashing an open keg, it was just like, mm. that spray of beer all over you. I'm like, just had this vision of, like, Turk turning into, like, herbal essences, kind of shampoo, and anti-dangrove, kind of commercial, uh-huh. where he's just kind of washing himself with beer, kind of like ah, <laughs> like flicking his hair um, <laughs> Love us, love us I love having Turk back I, I'm hoping that's the end of our Turk kind of the usage for this series
2: Oh it will because be. it will Yeah,
0: be. I'm hoping it was just a passing, kind of like we'll throw him in quite quickly Um, I, but I'm also, I'm questioning how many cameos I, are we going to call them them? It's because he's not really cameo, because he did have an integral part mm-hmm. to the plot. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it's just, how many are they going to introduce? Like, are we going to get Ward meet him? Are we going to get Joy Meacham? Are we going to get Davos, for example? Uh-huh. Those four. Are we going to get the twin sister, Typhoid Mary, from Jessica Jones, just for the sake of having them in there? Uh-huh. Or... I'm questioning because we're two episodes in I know, and I haven't Chris. seen much of it. I know. But it's kind of like, ha- are they going to just have them in to kind of have that nice nod back? I hope or so. Or are they going to make sure that these are... I- I'm hoping more it's the integral, like they'll put the people in, but it'd be integral for the story.
2: Well, yeah, that, that too. But what I also like about having these characters in there is that it does make it feel like a real city. Uh, the more people that you have around them that you've seen in the past, it makes you, it makes it feel like... Of course that go and talk to Turk to get the information yeah. out of him. He's the one that gives up all the information. Um, Luke's dealt with him before. Matt's dealt with him before. We may have Matt talking to Turk in the future to get more information out of him. It might be something like that. Um, I don't think he's going to form a central part of the season, but it does make sense having him in there. Uh, it would be a bit odd if Ward Meacham isn't around, if Danny has to go to Round Enterprises, because... Obviously, we've had an entire season with Ward Major being behind the desk at Rand Enterprises, so it would be odd if we don't get a cameo from Ward at some point throughout the season. Yeah, uh, something like Joy and Davos. Um, well, they were in France last time we saw them, so they may just still be in France. <laughs> so that's an easy way to explain
1: where. But
0: they're we going. know Madame you know, Gao is back, so therefore.
1: That's yeah, true. but we get to see the new player in in town as well in Harlem with the, with the white hat. Yes, we do. Yes, who's sending these these lads on their their mission to effectively um yeah to to acid wash that's yeah. kind of like a commercial as well chris yeah. get get it's those like, spots and uh and pimples from your skin with the white hat acid
0: wash <laughs> so the two bits one a white hat crocodile shoe wearing man i was like ooh this is kind of going Really on the nose. I'm like, I don't know who this character is. I until we get a name, I can't say. Okay, they're they're picking this look and feel for this person because he is uh, from a comic book, and he is obviously referenced or kind of something. I don't know yet who, nope. but yeah. the, the like having someone that '80s Bond villain looking kind of. I was like, oh okay
1: it felt live and let die definitely
0: yes exactly like you have was it zoltan not zoltan zoltan
1: oh yeah because it was with jane seymour she's the tarot card reader live and let die yeah i can't remember the big bad guy's name but yeah it it it, it felt yeah really kind of that 70s era um,
2: exactly and, of course, I was thinking of Diamondback. That's exactly the reaction we all had to Diamondback when he arrived, because he was flamboyantly dressed and looked very different from other characters around him, felt like he was a comic book character. Um, my understanding is this, this character is not from the comic books. This is a, a character created for the Defenders. Um, we will find out his name, I think, in the future. The White Hat. Yes, it is just the White Hat, but there is no character, the White Hat, in, in the comic books. Um, the actor, John, we have seen before. Um, we have seen him over on Gotham. Uh, he was the leader of the gang that went up against Fish Mooney in the Dollmaker's uh, place in season one. Very cool. So yeah, so we have seen the actor before. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's quite cool. And then on the other side, obviously, Danny and, and uh, Colleen are, are finding their way to the cast, what they think is the cast about. yeah
1: allies uh, there 's that really good moment where Colleen is like saying, "We have allies, there are other people here uh, after they 've come back to the dojo uh, from being out in uh, Southeast Asia, so they follow the trail of the uh, the schemato sword that the guy in Cambodia has, yes. which is not kind of this standard katana that it 's probably much more prestigious uh, it's very rare but that ultimately leads them to this workshop then where they go in and obviously find the 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 rave that's not gone down too well with all all the bodies and um, but then all these images of Conlon as well and um, mm-hmm. actually one of the great things i really noticed this episode was just the music around Danny and Colleen with the kind of mournful violins and stuff, I just think it frames him really well as a character. Like, it it was really nice. And just the way um, they, they had this kind of just the, the, this little uh, reference in the music when uh he's on screen i thought it was really cool no, I like actually that. i like that and it must be uh, you know the characters being treated
2: as he's getting very frustrated with this what i kind of like if you think of the comparison between all the other characters in the show matt's given a case which is going to protect jessica and that's what he does and he gets there jessica gets really frustrated because she spends about 15 minutes looking for companies and can't find them she gets really annoyed um Luke's investigation takes him about, what, a day? He just follows a car, and uh, and then he's found his destination point, effectively. He knows exactly what's going on. Danny's been on the hunt for the hand for more than three months with mm-hmm. no leads. So yeah. I like this setup with the character at the start of the show, that he is he's frustrated and angry about the fact that he can't, even with all of his power, he can't do anything to avenge his parents' death now that he's found out who killed them. And he can't do anything about avenging the loss of Kun Lung. Um No matter what he does, no matter who, who investigates, he can't get there. So it puts him in a nice position at the
1: start of the show. Yeah, definitely.
0: So I have a question, guys. Uh-huh. The cast. Yes. Do we think this is, like, the external force of the... external army of Kun Lung? Perhaps. If, if, the, if the, the Iron Fist is the, the weapon the 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 adversary of the hand mm-hmm. could the cast be well we're not gonna you're not gonna be wire monks so out in the world we're gonna have you as um, warriors you're going to be our anti hand because mm-hmm. I can't understand the connection to Kung Lung otherwise right they they need to be is that the the Iron Fist is the The Kung Lung's Black Sky.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: And then if you have the hand has their weapon being Black Sky, the cast has their weapon being the Iron Fist. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. You agree with me on this? I I was trying to, it it just went through my head. I was like, I I found it very hard kind of imagining myself having a, a, a photo of some random town in Ireland. Yeah. Unless you were had a connection, a deep connection.
2: Yeah, I think I think for me the way I kind of have seen it is it's almost like the the army of heaven, effectively, and heaven is Kunlun. Um, it feels like Alexandra has been to Kunlun.
0: Yes. Uh, Stick's realize-
2: been there, Madame Gay's been there. It feels like a place that that people that have a connection with the mystic side of the Marvel universe know all about Kunlun, yeah. and it's the place they want to get to and want to go back to. Yeah. Almost. So this army protecting it, absolutely it makes sense. Um whenever Konlun reappears, this army comes out to protect to protect it along and, and kind of knowingly, I suppose there's gonna be a lot of them sacrificed to protect this city because the only person that can defeat the hand is Iron Fist. That's the yeah. that's his task. But if you have a thousand people running at you, and you're the Iron Fist. Even with that power, you probably do need a few other bodies beside you to at least block for a couple of minutes while, <laughs> you, while you recharge your chi. You know, yeah. And so it's, I think that's what they are.
0: They are the expendable henchmen, basically.
2: Kind of. I don't know whether it says <laughs> that on the uh, on the job description, but I kind of feel that's what they are. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> they would get run over what was that scene in Austin Powers you remember it was like the it, it was the first one to kind of start showing you the life of the henchman yes, outside of, yeah. of the supervillain mm-hmm. that was brilliant it's all I'm going to see now is some member of the hands going to get killed and later on I just want them to randomly go John's been killed <laughs> oh, at least we have the hand's pension it's fine right. <laughs> um Gents, I think that is all the major points from this episode. Yeah, that's just a
1: few notes. Um, there is obviously the Electra attack uh, on Jessica's apartment when the, her case is, is there holding uh, Malcolm hostage with a gun to his head saying, stay away from me, don't take this case. Mm-hmm. And again, it kind of echoes through from what Hogarth was ta- saying to her to, to stay away um so you just wonder whether again whether hogarth has had dealings maybe with um alexandra in some way or at least her company yeah the shell company and john raymond's bullet to the head as as like Electra comes storming in he basically stops her prevents her from killing him yes uh, or taking him hostage even we don't know but i think uh he is absolutely petrified here um uh, yeah. But, yeah, shoots himself in the head. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, of course, that really sets up uh, Jessica then getting arrested outside her apartment by Misty. That's right. Um, so, yeah. Uh,
0: um, from my side, a, a note I wanted to bring in was the incident is mentioned again. From yes. the very beginning. A, a very quick callback Easter egg, if you will, to mm-hmm. the Avengers incident in New York. Um, the reason I like this now is because, unlike the toss-away kind of callbacks we've had before to like the green guy the the guy with the shield and the man in iron in a tin can aside from all those kind of throwaway comments they were showing that the the incident itself breeded a kind of bit of hysteria in new york like there's a fear that that this stuff will happen again which is actually if you imagine like the, the closest analogy we would have in real life would be a terrorist attack. Yes. And if you had a terrorist attack to the level of New York, obviously they did, but I'm saying as, as a proxy to the kind of the incident
2: yeah. An yeah.
0: earthquake would make you, Holy God, what's going on? Yeah. Like, is this happening again? And I actually like, this is the side of the, the, the Marvel cinematic universe. I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons I love the Netflix shows is because you do get this more. Okay, yes, they have eight hours versus a two and a half hour, three yes. hour movie, but it's more that we get to see this deeper side of the actual universe itself.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. As if
0: people are like, if we imagine like Lagos and Brussels, what happened in um, Civil War mm-hmm. and Berlin, the airport, like the next time a superhero lands, people are going to be afraid. Yeah. And because it's like, oh no, there's an impending battle. What's going on?
2: But the other nice touch about this as well is that it's an earthquake. So that wouldn't trigger someone like Iron Man to come down and help out the yeah. local people because it's an earthquake and it's, you know, it's these kind of things are things that don't necessarily get superheroes down it's not like the incident happening against new york it's just using something like that to say because the incident happened in the past this is why people are more scared in new york of bigger things like that happening of of earthquakes and that kind of thing because they've had something really bad happen in the past and if your apartment starts to shake you're going to think oh god it's happening again yeah yeah Uh, yeah it's a nice it's a nice judge and also if they've gone the entire eight episodes of the defenders without mentioning the word the incident after sixty odd episodes so far of the show is mentioning it at least once. Um, I think it would have been a bit silly, so they had to work it in somewhere. It was a great way to work it in.
0: Yeah, you, I'm still expecting Colton just to do a walk by very oh, soon in the suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come on, Phil.
1: Come on, Stephen Strange.
0: Oh yeah. So, gentlemen, uh, unless you have any other notes, um, I would like to kind of wrap it up for now because I'm dying to see episode three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you who are just joining us for its episode 2, the way we do this now is we ask each other, do we defend this and kind of give our summary of the episode. So to kick it off, Derek, do you defend episode 2 of The Defenders?
2: This is absolutely what I wanted when I started out the podcast two and a half years ago, thinking, oh, well, we're going to get four shows and then we're going to have them all work together on TV. This is exactly what I was hoping for. We've now gotten very deep and rich shows between that point and getting to this point now. And just as they start to coalesce in uh, episode two, this is what gets me excited. This is the point where I'm going, ooh, Jessica's interacting with Matt. Oh, Luke's interacting with Danny even though they're different to the interactions that I'm hoping for, I'm hoping they all go out for a beer at some point in the future. Um, or a pizza, maybe. Chinese. but Maybe. But uh, I'm hoping that ha- that happens later on in the series, but I'm loving these lines where they're drawing those characters out from their own shows, out from their own parts of the city, and pushing them closer and closer together. So, And I know we're getting very close to the point when all four of them are going to be working together, and that's going to be really exciting as well. So this is Exactly what I wanted. I absolutely defend this episode.
1: Really, really happy with it.
0: Mr. Harrison, do you defend episode two of The Defenders?
1: Oh, I do. I do defend this episode of Defenders. I would give this 4.6 magnitude on the Richter scale out of five. Nice.
0: Oh, yes. So it is a proper earth shaker.
1: Yes, it is a earth shaker. Yes, uh, absolutely loved this episode. I think, as Derek said, the, the coming together of two halves um are of the defenders here. One purposefully with with Matt. I mean that ending really where he just comes in and goes, Jessica Jones, stop talking. I'm Matthew Murdoch. I'm your attorney. Yes. Like absolutely great finish there, I think, to to the episode. And um also then just having I mean I just absolutely loved Every moment of Luke and Danny meeting up, (laughs) and just the way it was done, it was funny. It was intense, you know, they both got their moves in, um, really, really enjoyed it. Just these different threads starting to come together, um, of, of Danny's investigation, Luke's, um, sort of getting back into the groove in Harlem, finding out about the, the white hat, mm-hmm. uh, the new boss in town in Harlem, um, and, and then just, just getting more, uh, for, of Alexandra there, where she's listening to the quartet and just her relationship with Stick and just this idea that she is um, this experienced woman that goes back across centuries, like Gao um really, uh, really enjoying that and finding out that we have a door in that hole. Not, not the big, not the Millennium Falcon or a big hand, but maybe, maybe the hand will still come through the the door. Yeah, yeah. Well, the hand is trying to get through the door, absolutely.
0: It's knocking. It's knocking on the other side. It's knocking
1: on the door. But um, yeah, absolutely defend this episode of uh, The Defenders. And Chris, do you defend this episode?
0: Uh, I 100% do, guys. I I can't. Uh, There's not much more to say that you guys haven't said. For some of the niggly little things I've seen or like the certain... Like, for now, for example, in episode two, they don't have the lighting direction the same. Um, So the the, the lights, there weren't any deep, deep reds. Yeah, from yeah. Matt. So it was obviously, that was an episode one thing, but I was like, exactly. ooh, imagine they kind of continued this through. Hmm. Like, the, that is potentially only my only criticism so far of this kind of episode. Right. Like, out of a, an hour long episode i'm like struggling to find this and obviously i i do have rose-tinted shades as derek as you said maybe you just couldn't see the lighting then chris potentially yeah we i <laughs> also wearing rose-tinted shades indoors never good thing. it's it's as you said derek it's two and a half years ago we got the announcement that they were bringing these four shows plus the culminating in uh, a defenders mm-hmm. and a tie-up mini season that is what we've got now. And the lore is so deep. The overall story, I feel, is professional enough, is strong enough, and mysterious enough that I, I'm dying to go to each next episode. Mm-hmm. Not because mm-hmm. it's a Netflix show. Yeah. The way Netflix setting it up and the beautiful that they want you to binge to the next one and the next one and the next one. I'm just more, I want to know what's in the hole. Yeah. Well, behind the door. I want to know all about. I want to know everything about Alexandria. I want to know why sticks there. What where is? Why is the cast dead? Like all these questions that are central to the plot, but also more ex- uh, kind of expansion and more exploratory.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I actually just wonder on that as well. Again, it kind of it almost favours the 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 point of. Uh, that Iron Fist should have had a bit more about Kun Lun there. You know, seeing that picture of Kun Lun in this workshop, yeah. again, just to bring that that mythology and how it interacts with the cast and the hand, um, those those three different groupings, um, it just kind of almost strengthens that point a bit, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of hoping now with that, as you said, that we'll get a better introduction to the, the cast as a whole uh, throughout the next four, five, six episodes uh, and kind of they explain the background. But overall, I completely, and I'm just rambling at this point, so I'm going to close it down because I also have to see that Derek, our producer, is kind of doing the wrap-up sign. <laughs> I wholeheartedly defend this episode. It's a fantastic continuation on a series that I'm dying to watch more of. Excellent
2: no feedback for this episode obviously because you guys are way too busy watching the episodes uh, to send us some feedback right now we understand it's okay when you finish an episode all you need to do is go to our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com you'll see a send voicemail button over on the left hand side mark it with the episode you've watched and let us know your thoughts on that episode and we'll discuss them on our podcast in the next episode Um, that's all you need to do or if you want to send us a traditional old email uh, you can email us to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com with any of your thoughts Uh, you can also join us over our group as chris mentioned earlier on we have a spoiler post up there for each of the episodes uh, where you can talk about it with other people who've watched the episodes without spoiling the people that haven't so come join us over there on facebook as well
0: and of course you can go and follow us over on twitter as well and get all the latest news and happenings as we drop the podcast on at defenders cast on twitter and um, but more importantly we would love if you have not yet that you subscribe to our show Um, and spread the love that is The Defenders as your friends watch it. So you can subscribe to us at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or going to any cast or hand-affiliated podcast catchers around the world and just doing kind of subscribing to us there. But of course, as I said, we love if you share the love. So tell your friends, add some Facebook groups, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you need to do. Um, But just we would love to get as many... Defenders, or fellow Defenders, I should say, in with us listening as these episodes continue on throughout the next couple of weeks. Guys, I think it's time that we go on and watch episode three. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are listening, this is obviously being available on uh, Friday the 18th. And of course, you can pick us up on any good hand or cast affiliated podcast catcher or over on iTunes every Monday and Friday going forward and the next episode episode three will be available to you to listen to on monday the twenty first of August but I don't know about you guys, but I'm gonna shut off now and I'm gonna go put my feet up and watch episode three absolutely
1: absolutely
0: what are you gonna do with stick
1: absolutely i'm I'm off to do hair of the dog <laughs> whilst watching. The Defenders. Yes, looking forward to episode three. Thanks for joining us, fellow Defenders. We'll
2: be back on Monday, the 21st of August. Bye. Bye.
1: Yeah, as always, thank you for joining us, and we'll speak with you next time. Bye.
0: You think I'm holding back? That's kind of like me having a photo of just a random... T- town in county ireland county ireland county-
2: <laughs> chris you're from um, ireland <laughs> that's the most american thing you've ever said
0: well you know we went down to county ireland
2: yesterday.
0: <laughs> oh be- jesus begolly me lucky charms there you go um that's
1: the that's the attack. sorry um, <laughs> After the Hell's Kitchen earthquake, Matt Murdock finds it hard to control his inner devil. But after meeting up with Foggy for a few drinks at Josie's bar, he takes some of Nelson's casework to focus his mind elsewhere. Luke begins to hit the new bar in Harlem, Trouble in Paradise, to get a lead on the mystery surrounding the increasing body count of young men, and uncovers a new player in Harlem, known as the Whitehead. He tracks one of the Whitehead's vans off. Hang on, I don't think he's the Whitehead, I think
2: he's the White Hat. A <laughs> white hat has a spot I
1: know it is He's, a,
2: he's a white hat Because he wears The white fedora Or white <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. no one has the white hat uh, no. I'm convinced It was the white hat White hat No it was the white hat Also AKA Pimple face
2: <laughs> All you have to do When you finish Watching an episode Just go to the website I've got uh, Damn it
0: I got him no, oh, I, I got him
2: I did almost got him I almost got him
0: Hey.